0: (laughs) so i thought to win i thought till just now i had to grab a little something to eat you know
1: busy man yeah cool Um, man
0: uh, just wanted to at the beginning of the show announce you know my my cds for sale where to get it I'm selling, selling everything I have, you know. So people want to buy shit. You gonna sell Pammy? No, no. Yeah, if anybody wants her, movie's <laughs> not for sale. There <laughs> you go. Yeah. Well, that's good. And so, um, yeah. So I'd like to kind of just put it out there.
1: Well, put it out there because we're recording.
0: Oh, we're recording? Well, let's start the show or something. <laughs> you know, we can wait a few minutes and then start the show and then just bring Greg
1: on, you know? We have right. the um, Guitar Wank listeners. We have the amazing Greg Koch on tonight. I love it when you talk dirty. right. Greg Cock and Balls on the show tonight. The great man himself. I'm. I'm really looking forward to Greg. He's such a, a monster.
0: Wow! What a great player! What a funny guy too, man.
1: Yeah, he could. Uh, no, he, could just, he could just do stand up and not play guitar. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm excited to have talked to Greg. Um, so awesome, Bruce, for getting Greg. How so? How you doing, Troy? What's happening? Doing good here in Nashville. Um, I gotta say, man, it's just. Uh, I, I love california i always will love california and los angeles but it's really nice to be in a bit different part of america and experiencing the beauty of this country uh, nashville is a great place great city lots of it's, there's a vibe here and it just i've been doing a lot of songwriting here which is great and um, a lot of playing and i've actually got which is a great thing. And uh, thanks to Guitar Wink. this has all come through Guitar Wink. In LA, of course, because of lockdown and everything, and I couldn't get – uh I wasn't putting the feelers out there to play with any people or anything because everything going on. But I was hoping to come to LA and actually play with people. And by jingos, by crikeys, it's happening. So, um You mean in Nashville? Probably. In Nashville. I'm going to actually – Damn, get to play with some people, which is fantastic. I'm so excited about it, and um, it's been a long time between um, batting innings for me, which is it's going to be really cool. Some great players. Um, actually, the guy that uh, I've become really good friends with, Val, is a uh, Guitar Wank listener, and that's how we originally met. Really? So, yeah, he. He reached out and we became friends uh, because he listened to the show. I don't know why we didn't become enemies. But well, you know, I, I, so he's the guy that listens to the show, right? Huh? Val listens to, the, there's the, the one guy that listens to the show in Nashville. We found him. We found him. And Val's uh, an, a great guitar player in his own right. He's done a lot of songwriting. He's done the whole gamut in Nashville, everything from building amplifiers. I've got one of... His amplifiers with me here at the moment, which sounds amazing. Building pedals to doing the songwriting thing, the musical director thing in Nashville, touring guitarist. The guy has done it all, and I'm um, feel very blessed that I've got to meet him, become friends, and he's put together a band, and we're gonna we're gonna do some tunes. So I'm um, I'm very excited. Right. So we've got uh, we've got some amazing players in the band. So uh, yeah, man. Uh, I'm. I'm stoked. I'm come to Nashville, and uh, I'm going to get to play music. You're never going to come back to California, man. Shit, I'll be back at Thanksgiving. I'm back in LA for Thanksgiving. Okay. And then I'll then I'll come back here, and until it gets really cold, and then I'll put my balls between my legs where they belong, and come back to California, where it's nice and warm, and it's not so brutal in the winter. Yeah. Yeah, I might do that, but um. But yeah, man. I mean, it's it's an exciting place here. I got to see the Stones the other week at the Nissan uh, Stadium, and uh, that was amazing to see Mick and the boys do their thing. It's it's funny watching the Rolling Stones nowadays. It's at one, in amazement that you're watching the Rolling Stones. Two, in amazement that they can do that at their age. And Mick Jagger is a god. I can't believe he does it. And three you're constantly worrying which one's going to break a hip or die first on stage. <laughs> it's like this worry, like, Oh my God, don't do that. And Mick and uh, Ronnie look like they're barely making each guitar chord, but the chaos between them seems to work. And it sounds like the Rolling Stones. What's that? Keith and Ronnie. Yeah. Keith and Ronnie. what did I say? Mick and Ronnie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. Keith and Ronnie. Yeah. Um, and Steve Jordan on drums was incredible. Uh, yeah, a badass
0: drummer, is Wow. Yeah,
1: great. And uh, the, what a show, man. They put on a great show. But it's definitely a lot of amazement that, wow, I mean, they're doing it. They're doing stadiums and they're still pulling it out and killing it. And they sound like a really great bar band yeah. <laughs> that was put in a stadium exactly what you would expect from the Rolling Stones. It's pretty incredible. And... Um, that's there's what they, for all of us. That's what
0: they do, man. It's you know, it's what they've always done. You
1: know, yeah. And uh, I've seen Guthrie play out here. Guthrie trap. Um, I'm such a fan of Guthrie. He's he's just a badass man. He's such it's such a musical uh, cat, and uh, he's spending it, spreading a good message. I, I love what he's all about. When he's we're going to have him on the show. Um, there's some other right. national cats I want to get on the show out here while I'm here. Take advantage of that. There's so much. Um, there's so much stories out here and so much talent it's um it's inspiring and scary all at the same time
0: yeah that's great man i can't wait to get back there myself
1: yeah, yeah. man you got to come out here and uh and, and and hang and uh yeah uh yeah a lot of fun so what's what's happening in your world well
0: um you know officially as of sunday i did my sunday october 17th i did my live stream cd release event and now the the CD, the, you know, reunion, Poll Winners, poll winners Revisited is now officially released.
1: Whoa. Nice.
0: formats, everywhere. Every kind of thing you can do. Of course, I'd be waiting for the vinyl for another few months. But um, but I just want everybody to know that I'm just selling everything I got. So.
1: Um,
0: well, it, i got to jump.
1: I've got to jump in there, Bruce. Hold it. You sent me the CD and i got to say, man, I. It reminded me of when i was a kid opening up albums and looking at all the cool stuff in it it was um really great design and really cool it made me feel made me feel good about having a cd again yeah well you know i mean again
0: there's liner notes and pictures and you know cool graphics yeah and we kind of they are sort of throwback you know in in design But, yeah, I mean, of course, people can go to my website, BruceForman.com, and, you know, from there you can just email me. And uh, if you want the new CD, I've got that, which I'm selling for $15. includes shipping. But if you want all three of my trio CDs, this one and the other two before it, that's just $25 plus. What? Yeah, man, get, get ready for this. And if you want the cow pack, you know, the cow patty, that's all four cowbop CDs. That's only $30. Include shipping anywhere in the United States, of course. Is this a closing down cycle? <laughs> it, well, I just, you know, it's, I mean, I, I want, this is the thing. I want to die without a CD, uh, shed full of CDs. Okay. <laughs> That's my goal in life. I have very, very modest goals for my future, <laughs> but one of them is that. So there's that. I also have a novel for those people that know how to read words. Um, There's only a few. And that uh, is $15 and I'll cover the shipping. So just pay for it. And I'll send you the novel. And of course you can maximum match stuff. All you got to do is email me. I'll, I'll be happy to sign them if you want. I also am selling gear. So here's the deal. Christ. I am selling a a sixty five blackface Fender Pro Reverb. Wow, I really don't want to ship it though. I would much prefer a California person bought it. But if somebody really wants it, must wants deal with shipping a Fender amp. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a gigging amp. It's not one of those pristine Joe Bonamassa pretty perfect amps. It's a. Uh, it's an amp that has been played for years and years and years. And one of the best amps I've ever played. And one of the best amps I've ever heard.
1: Shit. Maybe and, I'll buy it. Huh? <laughs> maybe I'll buy it.
0: We can have it. And, and actually I'm willing to consider even letting go
1: of the dump. Wow. So wow. If, somebody,
0: if somebody's interested in that, all this can be done just by going to Bruce getting my email and contacting me, you know? So once again, you got the reunion CD, $15 includes shipping. This is only to the United States, of course. I mean, but I'll be happy to add the shipping to anywhere international. Although I don't know if you know, you can't ship to uh Australia or New Zealand right now. There, there's a block.
1: They've, they've been invaded. Australia. Yeah, I was
0: wondering. Yeah. By yeah. who? By who? Um Nicole Kidman? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Australia. If I got invaded by her, I would stop the mail too. I mean, busy doing other things. So um, okay. So here's what we got. We got the reunion CD. That's fifteen dollars. We got reunion plus the two Foremanism CDs with it for thirty dollars. We have the cow patty, which is four cowbop CDs. That's thirty dollars. We have my novel, trust me, that's $15. We have my pro reverb, and we have potentially the Dumble to somebody who is, you know, plays what it's worth. Holy snap and, and duck shit, Bruce. And that's what's for sale right now. You're catching me in a mood. I just I feel like I got too much stuff and I'm getting too old and I don't want to deal with it.
1: Anymore. Wow. Wow. That's huge. The Dumble, the pro reverb. Wow. The Dumble. And the pro reverb you know how much that dumble will be worth just the fact how, that it, how much everything you it's it? gone through it's been documented on every guitar wank episode wow since well, it started. You know, i hope it
0: didn't hurt its value too much
1: how hey what did it start out to be what was it it was it a
0: it was, it was a fender uh 66 vibralux but Mid it was a, condition right mid-condition it was a green stamp vibralux right. that right. was a Particularly what happened was, was the way they, you know, the way they do their, their serial numbers is like the first two numbers is the year. And then the next number is the month, you know, and then, and then what, whether it was the first or last, you know, 13th, 15th, whatever they made that month.
2: There's,
0: I mean, I'm not maybe getting it exactly right, but that's how they do it. Well, in 1966, in January, they messed up and they marked him as 65 not 66 but the way you can tell that is they use green ink for some reason so those are called the green stamp fender blackface amps which only happened in the month of january i believe of 66 and this is one of them
1: wow so it's already unique and then Dumble got his hands on it and dumplified it
0: yeah and and it's because it's a vibrolux it's got two channels so on in one channel you've got his ultraphonics module um modification right okay which is famous but in the other channel you've got the rock phonics mod right actually two amps in one damn yeah
1: so you're getting two two double amps Mm -hmm. and
0: he handpicked the speakers for it wow man i gotta say that's um i love the amp i'll tell you the reason why i might consider selling it is just because um, I don't use it live because it doesn't have enough headroom. You know, I play kind of aggressive and with chords, a yep. lot of solos, and it just doesn't have enough headroom. I really should have gotten them to do a pro reverb, not a Vibralux. You know?
1: I mean, it it has as in headroom, like it's a it breaks up really it's amazing, beautiful
0: up. breaking up. But yeah. you know, when you play chord solos, you want people to hear the notes inside it. Yeah, yeah. And the breakup, it just makes it kind of muddy. You know but but it's yeah. a sweet
1: beautiful break yeah, what if, I, I, I noticed about not that high. amplifier is that when I plug my tally into it or any guitar and I play up really high there's no there's no frequencies that are tearing my ears apart it's just, know, that's yeah. the weird
0: thing I mean I can play that amp about three times brighter than I would normally play any amp and it still sounds sweet
1: yeah
2: that's,
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a dumble thing I think that's really the magic of Dumble is his ability to, to, to the highs don't hear the like ice
1: picks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, too bad we can't get Dumble on the show. They're no luck. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, I'll keep trying. Of course, if he finds out I'm, I'm thinking about selling the app, he'll never talk to me. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good chance we won't get him on the show, but it's fun yeah. to try um, so wow, man. So, well, I know it's, a, it's an amazing app, it's been at the studio for a while, and I get to play it on a regular basis. And then, yeah, I really, I really hope that you don't sell it.
0: Well, you ought to buy it.
1: <laughs> I buy it, yeah. I might sell, I'm gonna sell my missus and I can get the amp, trade her in.
0: Okay, well, you know,
1: you know, so see what happens. But that's good, man. A lot of cool stuff, a lot of cool stuff. You got a lot going on, so um yeah
0: yeah. End, it's school still. I'm in the middle of the school year, you know, and I got great students, and uh, and I'm playing a lot of gigs. I mean, right now, according to there's a Just Jazz Guitar, there's a Vintage Guitar magazine, a Premier Guitar, uh, Downbeat, and Jazz Times are all doing articles on my new project. So that's coming out over the next couple months. So hey. everybody, keep your eye open for that. And uh, I'd like to kind of get back into guitar wake and really get this going more. And if anybody's got any ideas for us, like, well, he, like you know, like he, remember how I did all that one-minute stuff. If they want me to continue doing that, um, I'd like to do that. I'd like to get the Patreon back robust. You know, yep.
1: we're planning to. Do it. Here's a here's a good idea. Why don't we have uh, Why don't we have this bloke on? Well, who? Who? Greg Cox. Oh God, I
0: love it when you talk dirty. <laughs> The yes. man
1: himself. Oh, my God. Oh, Chris. my golly. Snapping duck shit. Look at him.
2: Recording we're, in progress. Uh, yeah.
0: We bring, we're bringing progress. in hot. Progress, you progress you in is heart. kind of a vague word at this point. You
2: know? <laughs> What's going on, fellas?
1: So we, we, are to bring, ask you. we are bringing you in hot. Greg, it is such an honor, man, to have you on the show.
2: Oh, it's my pleasure. Are you kidding me?
1: I mean, seriously, man, the, this, as I said in the email, your career must have reached a point where you thought, you know what, it's going too well. Your career is going too well. How do I fuck it up? Yeah. Go
0: on guitar, Wink. Yeah, yeah, really, man. You know, I can mess this up. You know what I mean? Starting to act like a jazz musician, you know? Uh-huh.
1: Hey, well, thank you so much, man. It's it's such an honor, and I'm such a fan of you, uh, everything you do. You, uh, you're a lot of fun and a badass, and uh, I love your work, mate.
2: Well, thank you. Now, are you, are you in Australia, or are you over here now?
1: No, I am, I am uh, an American citizen now. I have been citizenship-sized, and um, I am living, well, I was living in Los Angeles, but I just recently moved to Nashville.
2: Oh, Nashville,
1: Yeah, like all, all good Californians <laughs> do, they move to Nashville or Austin.
2: Of course, to escape whatever there is to escape from. Yeah, pretty it's, much. Except for Roscoe's chicken and waffles, that uh, you don't want to escape from. No,
1: no. Where so where I'm are you at? To deliver.
2: <laughs> I'm in Milwaukee, Wisconsin.
1: Oh, great city!
2: Great Mil- Milwaukee. I'm in uh, uh, the suburb called Wauwatosa. 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 <laughs> it's a crazy it's a crazy place That's a crazy place. It is
0: is it like beer and brats or is it like a, is it like ice fishing in the winter? what's happening?
2: Well, you know what uh, brats are definitely uh, a thing. I'm not gonna lie to you and I, I don't I don't imbibe anymore but I was a professional at one point in the consumption of the fermented frothy beverages uh-huh. and uh, so I was I was in, I was in a good place to do that and uh, but I am... A brat enthusiast, and I got the hookup for the world champion bratwurst. Really? That's right. Carl's Country Market. Oh Here yes. it's, it's fantastic. Wow. I do enjoy the eating experience. I'm not gonna lie to you. I yeah. like food.
0: You yeah. know, I, I find that food adds a festive touch
1: to every meal,
2: and <laughs> <laughs> that's a fact. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sir Greg, Sir Greg, I feel like you are a Sir Greg. Is, or, uh, Mr. Gristle, uh, Mr. Mr. Gristle? Mr.
2: Gristle! That sounds profane, and I, and I embrace it.
1: I, I was watching you on uh, the True Fire. I see you have a True Fire coming out we're all very excited about. It looks like you spent six years down there filming it because it's that much material.
2: Well, you know, I'm always highly caffeinated. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I went that way. You know, this video thing, I've done it for so long. I mean, I started off um, doing these Hal Leonard videos 20 years ago.
1: Oh, wow. Hal Leonard.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's that's what's made me the thousandaire I am today, actually. Oh, man. how I, I could buy both of you a delicious fresco right now, and it would be like no big deal. <laughs> but um, yeah, years ago, I got approached by the Hal Leonard folk because they're right here in town. They're actually uh, the oh, wow. world headquarters of Hal of Leonard is about a mile away from here. And uh, I actually did a Fender thing uh, out in Phoenix. They had this thing where they flew me in and they had, they had this contest and I played a little bit and talked to some folks and somebody came up to me and they said, hey, you know, would you be interested in writing for this guitar magazine? Would you be into that? I'm like, yeah. I mean, if someone asked me, you know, I might do it. I said, well, it's this magazine. It's, it's, uh, it was at the time it was called a guitar <laughs> something um, guitar one, guitar one magazine. So, and it was very much a Hal Leonard thing. So next thing you know, this guy from Hal Leonard calls me up and, and he says, yeah, you know, we're fan of your, we're fans of your band, you know, cause my band, you know, had been playing around here for a, a long time at that point. And uh, we'd like to talk to you about, you know, doing some books. And, you know, I went to school for music, but I really majored in beer, if you know what I'm talking about. So and and I would and I and I would do charts and stuff for band members and, and do sessions. But, you know, the idea of like I wasn't a very good student, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I love playing, but I just I just wasn't that much of an academic in terms of being able to like you know, really fast transcribe stuff, it, it would take me a minute, you know what I mean? So, um, but as we all know, when you're in a situation at that time, I had, you know, a couple young kids, I had a third one coming, you know, and my wife was sick of her job. And it was like, hey, can you, can you, can you maybe make some stuff happen so I can get out of the situation? And, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when they said, hey, can you write books? I'm like, of course, of course I can. So I met with them, and um, I ended up rewriting the Hal Leonard guitar method with the initial, with the original author. They wanted to update it a bit. Um, and then I ended up doing these DVDs. I did these two on the style of Steve Ray Vaughn. It's like they picked eight tunes of Steve Ray Vaughn's out, and they said, um, here are the tunes. Pick out whatever parts you think are the most applicable. They were called signature lick things, and then we're going to do it. So they kind of – left it totally up to me, which was fun in one way, but terrifying in another. And uh, I said, but can I do it with a band? I don't want to just be sitting on a stool, kind of pretending I'm playing this stuff. So they, and to their credit, they said, yeah. So I did it with my band. We would do these performances of these segments of the tunes. And then I would talk in between, and then they'd break it down. You know, we'd break it down with just me showing like the particulars of that stuff. And those did very, very well. So I just, it was kind of one of those things where I didn't know I had the skill set until I did it. And then I was like, well, this is, I'm glad this will make a solvent. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I, then I started to do more of that stuff. Uh, And then that really kind of led into the, you know, I was doing a bunch of clinic stuff for Fender at that point anyway. Uh, So all of that different malarkey kind of, kind of helped out. So you know, when the Wildwood thing came on later on and all this other kind of stuff, I was, uh, I was prepared. I, let's put it this way. I wasn't bashful being in front of a camera.
1: You were primed. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, yes. Greg, go back. Um, and you don't have to go into great detail, but when did we pick up the guitar and what was your, um, what was your kind of learning experience? Cause I'm kind of curious how you got so damn good, sir.
2: <laughs> well, you flatter me, sir. Um, <laughs> Well, I started when I was about 12, but I always wanted to play. And it, I primarily, you know, my brother, I was the youngest of seven kids. My brother was the oldest. I was the youngest. There were five girls in between. So I had to room with my brother, the poor son of a bitch. So <laughs> here I am this little punk and he's like 15 years older than I am, 14, 15 years older. Oh, wow! So I listened to all the music he was listening to. And so he, you know, I was born in 66. He went to high school from 66 to 1970. So when I was a little kid, you know the the, the first sounds I remember hearing were you know Cream, Hendrix, uh, you know of course Beatles and the Stones and Grand Funk Railroad and and uh, all this type of stuff. But I uh, I was a huge I've, I've just had this weird obsession with Hendrix from as far back as I can remember, and uh, and I can also remember you know you're running around the house with your and you know, your friends are over and you're playing Guns or whatever it is and you go into your room and there's your brother. Sitting in front of his stereo listening to live cream. And and, you know, you're like, what is that sound? And he turned around, and he goes, This is Jack Bruce, Ginger Baker, and Eric Clapton, collectively known as the Cream, the greatest power trio in the history of man. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it really it made an impression on me, like the that the guitar player was uh, you know, musicians in general, but but you know, guitar players are like shaman, you know what I mean? There were these metaphysical warlords of the night you know they were cooler than any athlete or movie star, or certainly any politician or whatever they were just kind of outliers you know you couldn't really see them on tv it was a very uh you know oral tradition as far as how to learn all this shit so I just always wanted to play um and I tried early on I remember in third grade the cello was offered and uh, I remember trying to figure out a Hendrix tune on the cello but that did not go well <laughs> and then a few years later i you know i played in the uh, orchestra and i or not orchestra in the band that i played like bell kit and because i just wanted to smash some shit so finally when i was 12 um there was a girl up the street who was a friend of my sister and she had a guitar and she let me borrow it and i figured out like a and open a chord, you know, started playing that and realized if I picked it up, it was a G and I started playing sunshine of your love and cocaine, just with those two chords, you know? And then the guy across the street showed me a D chord. And then the other brother of another friend of mine showed me how to do this. So, um, you know, we, me and these other guys in the summer of our seventh grade, we're like, we're going to learn how to play guitar and bass and drums or whatever and we're going to play at our senior graduation in eighth grade, and we're going to score all the chicks, and it's going to be glorious. So uh, we started taking lessons, and by God, by that next May, me and one of the other guys had gotten to the point where we could play, and then we got a hotshot drummer from another school, and and we played that gig. And then that summer, I ended up getting a gig with these guys that were seniors in high school. I just took to it right away because I had been listening – you know, I was so into music. I mean, I was such a geek about I me. Mean, I read about all these different people, you know. I'd read about Hendrix and Clapton, and then I would see, well, who's B.B. King and Albert King and Muddy Waters and you know, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I kind of had all the I knew a lot about it before I even started playing. Wow. And my mom and my mom was a good piano player, and and uh, you know, she taught me like the you know, just a boogie woogie thing when I was very young. So the blues progression was embedded in my brain, you know, when I was very, very young. So um, you know, I had just you know a little bit of a, a head start. So what, when I finally took to it, I just, I just you know hit the ground running. As That's the,
1: fantastic, as wow! And there's no stopping you.
2: Well, you know, it was uh, it was an interesting thing. I mean, you know, my dad was a lawyer, and and everyone in my family were you know they, none of them were musicians, none of them were remo- remotely artsy. Well, you know, I should take that back. My sister uh was a pretty talented artist and she was going to be a uh she went to fashion design school but you know got pe- but got petrified and ended up working for a you know a clothing retail place no one in my family was was you know taking a chance let's put it that way so when it, the youngest all of a sudden is doing shitty in school and is saying he's going to be a pagan rock warlord of the night needless to say that was met with a certain degree of uh well, I'm going to say not enthusiasm uh, kind <laughs> of <the> family. <laughs> Kinda. Yeah. and, um, but you know, my parents were supportive, but you know, what was interesting is along the way they would talk to every one of these teachers I would have. And, um, I my dad would have a little sit down with him for the love of God. Will you tell him how it really is, tell him, <laughs> you know, basically saying your life is shit. Can you tell my son that your life is a living hellscape? So, you know, I was like, dad, you're insulting these people when you're having this conversation with. But, you know, it was even when I went to, I went to, ended up going to school for, you know, technically jazz guitar. um, The guy that was the head of the jazz department at this university in Wisconsin here, um, you know, he was very open minded dude and he was great. And even at that point, my dad talked to that guy and said, can you please, you know, give my son, you know, the, the real lowdown of what he's getting into. And, uh, but I was, you know, I was hell bent, you know, as we all know, I mean, it's like, you, you gotta be a little nuts yeah to do this to begin with, you know what I mean? To have the kind of obsession, uh, to just, you know, play nonstop to get to any degree of excellence. So you, you know, gotta yeah you something's got to give.
0: I have a lot of questions here just from that like okay you you played the the eighth was it the eighth grade prom or what was yes
2: it? yes did you get the chicks uh well see the thing the, the weird thing <laughs> is bruce is that i i just got them anyway <laughs>
0: so, so you know all that practice down the toilet at that
2: point okay yeah you know it's it's it's, it's just bizarro. it's like i was always Attracted to gals that they didn't know or cared that I played at all. And it was, it's.
0: it's <laughs> yeah, and, but, you know, that's better because the, the ones that are, are kind of, it becomes difficult. You know, it becomes a, a job.
2: Right. Well, I, I like to tell the stories that, you know, my lovely wife, when I first met her, um, I was up in Minneapolis and um, all the guys in the, like the, the music department at school. Uh, junior year in college. We all got jobs playing at a theme park at various different bands in this theme park just south of Minneapolis. And I played in this, you know, Whitney Houston slash country medley thing with these three (laughs) chicks out front and playing under this gazebo. But you would play from like noon until six. And then you were off in the evenings and it's college. So you're living with all your buddies. It was the most depraved, debaucherous summer of my life. It was fantastic. But uh, I remember being in this guitar shop one day and, um, place called Pete's guitars. Pete was kind of like, uh, kind of like what norm is now, or, you know, what are these, he was like the vintage dealer to the stars. Right. And, uh, so I was in this place and I'm checking out like a strat through a super reverb and, and this, uh, this guy who's talking to the owner and they're kind of looking over at me. And finally this guy comes over and he says, uh, are you in a band? And I said, well, if you want to count playing at Valley fair during the day, playing a Whitney Houston slash country medley, I guess, Technically, I am in a band during the day, but my nights are free. He's like, well, my guitar player can't make it on Saturday night. Can can you fill in Saturday night at the whatever ballroom? And I said, sure. What's the name of the band? He goes, I'm Pat Hayes. The name of the band is Lamont Cranston. Well, at that point in time, Lamont Cranston was like the biggest blues band in in, uh, Minneapolis. They'd opened up for the Stones. They had like a top 10 hit and all this kind of stuff. Everyone knew who Lamont Cranston was. And so I couldn't wait to go back to my apartment and just rub it into the faces of my buddies. Just I walked in I was like I got a gig on Saturday, motherfuckers. And they're like, really with who? I go Lamont Cranston. And they're like, no way. I'm like, way. So I call up. I call up this new girlfriend of mine, and I'm like, uh, hey, what are you doing Saturday night? She goes, I don't know what's going on. I go, I got a gig on Saturday night. She goes, really with who? And I go Lamont Cranston, and she was from minneapolis and she said and i quote who the fuck is that and i thought <laughs> she's the one for me <laughs>
1: oh man is she did she because my missus does the same and like any guitar music that she hears she will like what the hell is that noise
2: well you know what's interesting is is um uh, she likes, um, she's not real big into music, but what but she, but she, but she likes, she likes, I mean, she, well, early on, I mean, my band did a lot of stuff that was, uh, you know, kind of Little Feedy, you know, kind of in that in that realm, this roots-oriented, kind of funky, bluesy thing, and she loves Little Feet, and she loves Lowell George, and, you know, like the Allman Brothers, and love Bonnie Raitt, and all that kind of stuff, uh, so that was all well and good, but everything else, I mean, like, you know, I come home and say, "Hey, you know, so and so, you know, you know who, X, Y, and Z musician." She's like, "I have no idea who that is," and <laughs> and, she, and 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 doesn't really care. I mean, she, but she's artistic. I mean, she was a she was a theater and art major in school, and she's a graphic designer by trade, and and uh, very very creative. So she's you know understands the mindset, but just is not uh, enamored with the the pageantry of musicianship. <laughs>
1: Three, three kids
2: i have four kids
1: four kids what are, yeah. what are they ages
2: uh my oldest dylan who plays drums in my in my band he is um he's 26 right and he'll be 27 in december i reckon and then grace who i just got done talking to she's out in um eureka california at uh-huh. a uh Del Arte School of it's it's basically clown school. It's it's physical acting, you know, and they do all these different things. But it's kind of funny they just call it clown school. So that's that's always kind of a weird thing when you're talking to family members. Like, what's Grace doing? Oh, she's in clown school. So, (laughs) but you know what are you gonna do? So she's up there. She just started doing that. She uh, she's twenty four. Yeah. and she's already graduated from college. It's kind of like her, you know, her next finishing school type of thing. And then I have a daughter, Isla, and she's at the University of Minnesota, and she is a junior, and she just turned 21. And then my youngest is John, and he is a senior in high school. Wow. And um, so I got a, I got a lot of kids. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, during COVID, they were all home, which was which was a lot which was a lot of fun. I have to say, yeah. it was it was fun having them all here, and it was an unusual thing because obviously, when your kids are in their mid twenties, usually they've they've flown the coop, or if they do come back, it's for a short period of time and then they're gone again. So to have everybody home for a good year and a half was unusual, but it was it was quite cool.
1: Yeah, it
2: was very nice to have them around. But you know, now that they're all gone except for one, that's pretty cool too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't
0: worry.
2: They'll never watch this. Actually, no one one will. So you can say anything. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. Bruce, I love watching your videos every day. You come out, guns blazing, big smile on your face. It just brings me joy every time I listen to it. It's fantastic thank you doing those thank Whoa. you for doing those
0: and, and vice versa i mean i'm a big fan of all that you're posting you know what i mean i think i think we've got a gristle and grumps project ahead. oh I'd,
2: I'd love to absolutely
1: <laughs> a good one. So, greg, greg you didn't you didn't get um pulled away on massive tours with different artists over the years that made it hard with the family life and stuff like that did, did you have to deal with a lot of that stuff or did you keep it more your own thing
2: well i always got, i always kept it my own thing not that i was opposed uh to do something um i don't know it's it's the weirdest thing because you know it's not like i don't play well with others you know what i mean it's like i know how to play parts yeah i know what i know how to sit back but you know i, I i'm uh i i I don't like working for other people. I got to be honest. But yep. again, you know, if someone would would ask and it made made sense, I would do it. But I just was never in that situation. I always had my own band.
1: Yeah,
2: and uh, and and in a way, I think it was it was a blessing because it forced me to uh, have different things that were developed over the years. As my son says, side hustles. I had all these side hustles going. You know, whether it be the Hal Leonard thing, or doing the Fishman thing, or doing the thing for I Wild know, with the I saw you on
0: that. That was exactly. Nice. That was nice.
2: Yeah, Pink Steel. <laughs>
0: the Browers Saga was my favorite.
2: Exactly, Cap- Captain Brat. <laughs> Well, actually, with my last name, I really don't have to have a stage name. <laughs> I know, I
1: know. It's really, You've already got the name, you know? <laughs> and, Greg. Has anyone asked you where does Koch come from? Well, don't we all know? <laughs> we all come from that, exactly. <laughs> now, am I am I butchering it? Is it Koch? Uh
2: Well, my grandpa said it was it was cock. So you got to, you get a little spit involved, right? And um, You know, to be honest with you, when I went to college, there was a gal up there who was a few years older that played violin and she had the same last name and everyone called her Kim Cook. And that's what it means in German. Anyways, it means like chef or cook or whatever. So that was my opportunity. I could have gone up there and said, holy shit, you know, it may still look like an eyesore, but if you say it's Cook, everyone can say Cook and they'll, you know, but, but no, you know, I had to think that's not the way grandpa said it. (laughs) <laughs> so from, from there on in, I've had people just massacring the shit out of my name. And then I, I started um, uh, my publishing company, and I called it Rhymes with Chalk Music, so that people would at least go, caulk, you know? <laughs> but then I had people calling me calk Like, you don't say the oh, L when no. you say chalk. Chalk. So, Oh, for fuck's sake! There's just
1: no... <laughs> you know what I mean. That's the internet. The internet has done that to the world. Oh. How awesome through know. your through your whole life, Greg? You've had you've made people say the word cock. That's right. It's that's beautiful on so let, many levels.
2: Let that be a lesson to them all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I gotta say I gotta talk to you. I I was watching you on the True Fire live thing. It was obviously live, but when I was watching, it wasn't. But um, I was watching it, and uh, you were playing your signature tally with of Reverend, and I loved that guitar so much. I almost just felt like buying one and getting it sent to my house straight away.
2: Well, don't be afraid
1: of it. It looks amazing, and it it's a certain. You know how you see some guitars that are like, "Well, that's cool," but it's not really cool. This was a cool factor. I thought was uh, I wanted one so badly. Yeah. When, when did this arrive and where do we get
2: it? Well, that, these are good questions. I, I like these types of questions. So what happened was, is that, um, you know, I started doing all those videos out at, at Wildwood and, uh, initially I was there at kind of under the, um, under the blanket of doing f- my Fender thing. Right. I was never right. an employee. I've never an employee of Fender, but I did stuff for them all over the damn place. You know, they'd send me all over the place to do gigs to, uh, to do clinics, to do things at music school, sometimes just to to talk to people. It, it, I did all kinds of shit for them, but I never was an employee. And that was good and bad. You know what I mean? There was, it was good from the point of view that I really didn't have to take shit from anybody. Uh, but as my kids started approaching college age, I was kind of like, hey, what about a retainer? And they're like, why didn't you ask sooner? I was, well, I'm asking now. And then it just kind of did this, you know, the, what, what is that thing like this? Right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I ended up going to Wildwood one time to, um, they talked to me about, Hey, this guy wants to do these videos. You've been there before, you know, you a workshop out there. They just want you to come out on behalf of Fender and, you know, Fender will pay your way. He'll pay for the videos and just, just sit on a stool. And, and so I go out there and he basically tells me what he wants me to do. He's like, look, I got all these different guitars that I order that are, you know, kind of Wildwood's recipe that they do from the Fender Custom Shop or Gibson or whatever. But at this time, it was just for Fender. He said, I just want to do videos of every one of these guitars because I order so many of them, people want to be able to hear them. So I'm like, okay. And he goes, so he gives me a Telecaster and he says, um, you know, play, you know, each pickup selection, clean and with distortion, maybe do some different styles. And and then on the screen, there was the name of the guitar and the, and the weight, you know, and what color it was. So I do one video and he gets up and he walks across the room and he goes, can I hire you to do this? I go, what do you mean? He goes, I'll fly you out here every month to do these videos for me. I was like, kind of like a job. And he's like, yeah. So what was so weird about it is like this single dealer. Now, granted, he's a a massive of independent dealers. He's as big as they get. Uh, but here, this one guy was making me more of a commitment annually for money and work than the biggest guitar manufacturer on earth would. Right. (laughs) So when I started doing more stuff for a while, I started playing different guitars. So Ken from uh, reverend would come in and, um, and he would usually come in with one of his other artists and we would shoot these videos and Ken and I just got along. Ken's about, we're about the same age. We're about the same height. Everyone thinks we're related. And, uh, but it's it's an interesting dynamic because Ken he's he's the he won him and his wife own Reverend now Joe Naylor is the guy that started the company he, he still designs all the guitars but Ken is kind of taken Ken and Penny have taken over it from the point of view of you know all the marketing and business side of stuff and uh, and we get along great but he's more of kind of like a punk rocker guy you know he's got kind of this punk rock shred background and I've got more of this kind of blues roots thing but yet it works you know we have this this cool little rapport. And uh, so after years of this kind of going on and me doing less Fender stuff and whatnot, finally, just said, hey, you know what? If you'd ever be interested in doing a guitar with us, we'd love to do it. But, you know, we're buddies. So if you don't want to do it, it's not a big deal. Yada, yada, yada. So about, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago now, <laughs> it's hard to remember. Um, we did a thing where, plus they always had fun parties. I would be at like the Nam show and uh it's like oh the reverend party is down here tonight and they're having so-and-so and so and so -so." like ken i want to play one of your parties what do i got to do and he's like well you got to play a reverend guitar and at that time i'd come out with the uh the fishman telecaster pickups i developed with them and i said well why don't we just pop my pickups in one of your guitars one of those pete anderson eastsiders he's like cool so he put the pickups in and he loved the pickups and he's like, these pickups are great. I'm like, well, yeah, I know. And, and so I got the guitar and I really, really liked it. Especially I, I played it against one of my Fender Custom Shops. And the Fender Custom Shop was still glorious. But in comparison, I was like, it it wasn't like a $4,000 differential. You know what I mean? Between the yeah. two instruments. Uh, so I just started going, hmm. You know, I started thinking a little bit more. And I always wanted to do a guitar with Fender because everyone looks, I'm six, seven, and every time I'm grabbing a guitar, people are going, is that a ukulele? Is that a three, four size guitar? And then on top of that, they'll say my name wrong right afterwards to complete the humiliation. So I had this idea of doing like a telly that would just be like a little bit bigger, not so big that it would be, you know, that it wouldn't fit in regular cases or that smaller individuals would find it obtrusive. But so we were able to come up with a guitar that was about 2 or 3% larger all the way around. Uh, and then we have this raised section in the middle that's kind of like, well, here's, here's one of them right here. Uh, this is the, the sunburst one.
0: Oh, but
2: uh, you see know, So it's got this raised middle section here, kind of like a Firebird. Yep. And what's cool about that is that the rest of the body is recessed a little bit. So that's kind of like weight relief right there. Uh, but the body itself is all just a little bit larger. So it looks more proportionate on me, which I dig. It comes stock with my Fishman pickups, which are magnificent. They and, have two. Vo-
1: tell me tell me about them. What's what's the whole deal with your Fishman pickups? Why are they so good?
2: Well, you know, it was kind of one of these things. I got a call from, uh, there was a guy, the guy named Richie Flegler, who was, um, he was a big wig at Fender for a long time. And um, he stopped working for Fender as a lot of the old guard did when they started changing hands, uh, about 15 years ago, 15, 20 years ago or so. Anyway, he called me up and he said, Hey, uh, I'm working with Larry Fishman on electric guitar pickups. He's never wanted to get involved with anything really electric. Um, as far as pickups are concerned, but this aerospace engineer guy approached him with this technology for guitar pickups. He's telling me this, and I'm on an airport on my way to Europe with the band. And I just said, Richie, I don't give a shit about pickups. You know, if I get a guitar and the pickups work, I'm good, you know? And, uh, but he started describing them more about what they could do. And, it, and it's, it, and basically what it came down to was it, it solved several things for me because years ago when I was talking to Fender about maybe doing a pickup, um, I said, look, I want something that sounds unbelievable, but it doesn't make any noise. Because usually it's like, oh, this is our new noiseless pickup, and it sounds pretty good. You know what I mean? <laughs> I wanted it to, I wanted it to look like a regular single coil. I wanted it to sound like a regular single coil, but I didn't want it. You know, I didn't want to be like, as I said, you know, like, uh, oh, it sounds okay. I know, I want it sounds great, and it's noiseless. Um, and I also wanted some kind of a boost feature, like a second voice or something, just give it a little something, something. So it turns out that's exactly what these pickups are. So this aerospace engineer guy basically came with these very, very thin, um, PCP boards, PCP, PCB. (laughs) I I always, I always get it wrong. Uh, anyway, so the coil is printed on those things. So they, they stack up these circuit boards around a magnet. And so that makes the coil, but the coil in and of itself is just anemic doesn't make any noise. So, but it's, it's the perfect template to use a preamp with. So they developed software that we can make it sound any way that we want. And, and adjust the tone real time. So when we were like doing uh, the a being to get the pickups to sound right, <clears throat> we had this shuttle guitar that we were able to, you know, pop out the actual conventional pickups and then pop in the Fishman pickups and go, yeah, that isn't quite right. Do a little bit more of this. And they would they would adjust it real time. So by the time we were going back and forth, by the time we got done it, I liked the Fishman pickups better, which is what we were going for, right? And then on top of that, because of this technology, and as long as you got a preamp in there, you can have you can have multiple voices. So then we had the sound that I wanted, and then the boost feature—that second voice was a little fatter, a little bit more output. So case closed. So I made a deal with the Fishman folks, and I wanted to have my own set of signature pickups, uh, as well as Champion and their other pickups, which I love, which I helped design. Most of them I helped design anyway. And uh, I mean, just from a, a sound point of view, you know, for, I wouldn't know a soldering iron from a. Small tactical nuclear weapon, to be honest with you. But um, so that's how it all kind of came to fruition. And, um, you know, and they look right, too, which is important, because usually every time, you know, a pickup sounds good and gets rid of the noise, it has like fangs and claws and shit. It looks unnatural. Unnatural. So, you know, I want want a Telecaster to look like a Telecaster of a sort. You know what I mean? So that we started on those pickups. And then after a couple of years, uh, I had the idea for doing uh, P90s. And so it was kind of done in tandem. So I had the relationship with Reverend and with Fishman already, and we knew it was successful. People were buying the guitars. They were buying, uh, they were buying the pickups. And then uh, I said, hey, what if we did like a Gibson scale Tele-style body with a set neck uh, with a Bigsby with these new pickups on board? So we actually had the guitar done before the pickups. So the guitar was done. We so we had some prototypes. So then from there, I went out to Fishman and we started doing the same process that we did with the Tele pickups, dialing in the sound, uh, and we did it. You know, it turned out great. And uh, so those actually have like three voices. Wow. Um, and they're they're fantastic, and they're they're doing very very well, which is which is great. And I love them. They sound great. So I've got the the two Reverend signature guitars, the two signature pickup things, and. But you know, it, it's all they all solve problems. You know, it isn't like, you know, I used to get kind of bummed out as a fan of guitar players back in the day when you'd see one guy with one company this week and another company this week. And oh, now he's got a new, you know, Marital Aid with this company and that slings picks and special, you know. Well, now, cl- now,
0: they, now they got signature walkers and depends.
2: Exactly, exactly <laughs> correct. So I I didn't want I didn't want to um you know I, I wanted the shit that I did be really good that people wanted and that I wanted to use whether I got paid for it or not. Now, of course, the fact that I do is even icing on the cake, but all the shit's really good and I would use it regardless. So like the amps, I mean the amps was one of those things too, where I mean it's a small company, so it's hard for them to build at scale. Uh, but I would I like it, I'd use it whether anybody else could buy it or not. And and is my the, name's oh, on. What it.
1: is the amps? What do you you got? So
2: see, right behind me, all those amps. So those big uh, cock amps. Yes, those big the big cock amps. <laughs> There's the succulent and juicy three thousand, and the balls deep force. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my God, you the two are a The two message is like blowing my mind. <laughs>
1: i didn't even know you had the amps um wow where have i been well,
2: well it's it's a dutch company that's been around for a while so this guy Dolph, Koch, bless him uh he'd been making these amps for a while and 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 the first time i found out about him is because they were using my tagline from rhymes with chalk music they had Koch amplifiers rhymes with chalk i'm like hey fuckers that's my line <laughs> you're right and I, and I was doing the Fender stuff at the time, but you know, I knew they were good amps and then I was in Europe someplace and you know, someplace where I was at, they had one of the amps and I used it. I was like, this is fucking great. So I was, uh, my Fender thing, I wasn't really doing anything with them anymore. And I was actually over in, um, uh, at Frankfurt for, on behalf of Fishman and the cock amplifier people were right across the way and Dolph Koch and his wife came over. And they said, hey, you know, we're fans of yours. You know, we got your CDs. And I said, that's so weird. I played one of your amps and I loved it. Wouldn't it be funny if we worked together? And uh, they're like, oh, we would love it. And I was like, well, you know, I played one of your amps. I really dug it. And I was like, you should check out this app. So they sent an amp over. So I played one of their amps while I was there and I really liked it. And then they sent me one to my house and I ended up using it at home all the time. And then when I was in Europe touring, they would provide amps for me to use. And I loved them. So we, we started talking about, Doing a signature amp, so I gave him a recipe of what I wanted, and uh, they knocked it out of the park. It's it's the greatest combo amp of all time, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I literally go out of the house with a cord, my guitar, that amp, and I'm done. So the clean sound is killer. I've got a way to make the clean sound just a little grungy. The the lead sound can sound just like kind of a Marshley sound, or sound like I've got a fuzz on. It's got harmonic vibrato on boards. So it's like it sounds like there's a Univibe. So now I mean I would always bring some kind of rotating speaker effect. It's on the amp, the Reverb is Killer. It's it's got 210s and it's either 50 or 25 watts and uh it's absolutely fantastic. So they were like, "Well, what should we call the amp?" And I said, "Well, we got the same last name." And they're like, "Yeah." And I said, "Why don't we just call it the Greg?" So that's what it's called. It's called the Greg. Cock. <laughs> <talk. laughs> and I so love the it. The head back here is actually the head and cabinet version. Uh, the little tweed one. Wait, right, right, I get my yep. direction yeah. yeah, sorry. I
0: see a tweed. I see a tweed Fender. I think.
2: No, no that's actually the. A, that's a little cock right oh, there.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay, you know what I mean. I, and, I need, my my eyes ain't what they used to be.
2: <laughs> so that's that's called the uh, that one's coming out. They're having a hard time with the supply chain stuff because it's a smaller company. You know, they're getting their transformers here and this there. Uh, but that one's coming out soon. That's called the Little Gristle.
1: Oh, okay. I like it.
2: So that's got uh, a nice reverb on it. It's got a single 12-inch speaker, but it's only, um, what is it? Uh, I think it's 8 watt, 12 watts. I think it's 12 watts. Right. Yes. Uh, is that it? Yeah, I think it's 12 watts. And it's got a single uh, EL34 in it. And it's got a volume. It's got a gain. And then it's just got one tone control, and there's like a little boost feature on there. But that's like a throw and go; just turn it up, use the volume knob on your on your guitar, and it sounds fantastic. Or you can set it clean, yeah. and then use you know screaming shit boxes or whatever you want to do. And then there's going to be a uh, another version called the um, the Greg Junior, oh. which is basically going to be the same brains as the other bigger amp, but it's not going to have the harmonic vibrato on it or the OTS feature it's still it's just going to have the two channels and the reverb
1: what's what's the bigger one how many watts is the biggest one
2: uh 50 watts 50 watts yes
1: wow man so uh, how do people get their hands on these to play are they around in stores where do we or is it hard to get
2: well, the Reverend stuff is pretty accessible. I mean, um, th- that's they've got a lot of dealers all over the place, and uh, the the caulk amps. I mean, they're they're starting to get around a bit, but they're again, it's 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 uh, getting a hold of them is the problem. So Wildwood sells them. Wildwood sells them. Um, I'm not sure if musicians' friend sells them. I think musicians' friend sells, sells them too. But as far as uh, who'd have them down in Nashville, that I don't know. Unfortunately, right. but
1: um yeah, I got to try them out. They sound they sound like they sound awesome. You've sold they them. do.
2: I mean, I've been I've been using uh this amp all through through COVID, you know, and I do all those guitar you know things for Wildwood and all the live streams, and I'm just using this amp the whole time, and it's just it's killer.
1: What what were you using before? Like what was Greg Cox's standard setup years before that? Or were you jumping uh, it, around it, a lot.
2: It would it would vary, but I would say the, the most constant things were these Fender made this amp called the custom Vibrolux starting like ninety-five. Yep. So it was it was a VibroLux, but it was they took out the again, not that I'm very technically astute, so I'm going to refer to this in layman's terms. Uh, they took out this negative feedback thing that they would put in the blackface ear amps that they didn't have in the tweet amps. That's why the tweet amps would overdrive sooner and the black the blackface amps have the higher um you know clean threshold so these amps would break up pretty quick so the custom vibralux i still have two of them and I'll, i still use them every now and again if i a lot of times i'll just take one of those amps out plug into it turn it up to about seven turn it around to the wall and it's the sound that took over the world it just sounds freaking fantastic and you can find these amps all over the place I mean I shouldn't say that because I was doing a, a thing with Robin Ford and we were talking he's like hey have you ever played one of these custom Vibrolux amps I'm like yes yes I have that's like my main amp or was my main amp for years he goes I got this amp it's fucking sounds great and so we started talking about that and all of a sudden all of you know forum pages like, oh what is this amp? because you can find it for like 800 bucks they're they're not very expensive well they and, used to and, be
1: 800 bucks now, now right
2: now uh, we'll see what happens, but yeah. uh, they're great. And so those, but super reverbs, I'd use super reverbs for the longest time, basements. Uh, you know, I've, I've always been kind of a fan of that, you know, 35 to 45 Watts area, you know, I would have deluxe reverbs every now and again, or a blackface twin, but I would say the amps I've used the most are Vibrolux's, super reverbs and basements.
1: That's, that's your stick.
2: It is, and now you know I went through the Marshall thing for a while, you know uh you know plexi mar i would like I like plexi uh, hundred watt heads, and I'd take the the two outside tubes out, and uh, so it was only fifty watts and it sounded great, but you know it was great in the summertime you're playing outside, and you can you can unleash it, yeah, but yeah. then uh, you know when the cold wind blows and you find yourself in close quarters, people like. You know, get all freaked out by the power. <laughs> exactly. The manliness. That's right.
1: The manliness, all right. All right. So what's what's coming up? You've got the True Fire thing coming out, which is everyone's excited about. Um, I saw you did some uh, Nuffler-esque kind of stuff on there that I'm looking forward to checking out.
2: Yeah, I did, you know, one little rhythm pattern thing. Well, you know, the coolest thing about how the True Fire format is, is that there's the examples that we talk about, but then there's the kind of extemporaneous thing of, okay, well, th- I learned this technique here and I kind of got this from this guy and this and I morphed it into that. And um, most of all of that ancillary stuff is transcribed as well. So, in addition to having the examples, which I tried to pick out enough stuff that was kind of um, accessible to, I mean, it wouldn't be boring for people that really could play. But it wasn't like totally over the head for, you know, the average person that's, you know, not going to be doing crazy shit. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so in the fact that I didn't have to transcribe that stuff, I mean, truth be told, the reason why I didn't do the True Fire thing earlier uh, was just because of my Hal Leonard commitments. You know, it's, it's not that they said I couldn't do it, uh, but they they heavily discouraged me from doing it. And um, but this past year, you know, I had this contract with them that kept on renewing, but I hadn't seen that contract in years. You know how that is. And all of a sudden, I, apparently there was a clause in the contract that says it renews up until 20 years. Well, this was 20 years. <laughs> so all of a sudden they're like, hey, we, we totally forgot about it, too. But, you know, as of as of uh, August, you know, that's going to be your last royalty payment on this one aspect, you know, the of, of the one aspect of what I did. And uh, I'm like, oh, uh, okay. So then that kind of freed me up. So I got a hold of the, because uh, we'd been talking for years, the True Fire people are like, absolutely, let's go. So it was refreshing for me because usually when I would do all the Hal Leonard stuff, I'd, I'd have to write everything out. And man, that's just so hard.
1: Uh, that's a lot of work.
2: <laughs> well, you know what? Especially if you're doing, you know, I, because I, when I improvise, obviously, you know, as we, you just play, right? You're not worrying about, Oh, I really kind of went over the bar line there. And, you know, I did this and I was toying around with the time here. And there's a, you know, think about any of that shit. But then all of a sudden when you have to write it out, it becomes like a freaking nightmare. So then it's almost like you curtail everything you play to your ability to transcribe it. Right. So I I would, it was kind of cart before the horse. I would write everything out and then go in and play it. And then I got to the point where they would have other people transcribe it. Uh, but I had to at least remember everything that I was gonna do for all these examples. So I would pre-record everything I was gonna play and then I would just have it like in garage band. you know, I had it on a playlist on iTunes and I would just go, example 24, Oh, that's what I did. Okay And then they would transcribe it. But down the true fire, I, I just play and don't have to worry about it, which is fantastic because that's just such an aspect of it that just gets to be, you know, you are just literally drained. Of, uh, of your soul has been siphoned of pertinent juices by the time you get done with it. And, yeah. then, and then you hope it sells enough to, you know, make it all have been worth it. But, you know, the True Fire thing, I think, is, you know, it it just was perfect timing. I mean, the, the Hal Leonard thing was a great ride, and it was very, very important for a lot of years for me. Um, it helped me, you know, when I was raising the kids, and, you know, I needed that dough. I needed that loot. And then finally, you know, after years went by, I had enough, enough different, you know, spigots of loot trickling in that uh, it was a good time to make a transition and try something new. So it was all good.
1: Nice, man. Well, congrats. And everyone's excited about it. Question about your um, growing up as a player. And was there one looking over your career? Is there a particular thing that you feel that maybe took your playing to the next level or? you accelerated in learning the guitar. Is there anything, was it just the fact that massive amounts of live playing, What anything that stands out over the years that you thought, wow, man, if I could go back, I would definitely do more of this or? Uh,
2: well, well, a few different things. I mean, I was very lucky, you know, wanting to wanting to do my own band and booking all my own stuff. I, I was able, you know, in a very formative part of my life in my early 20s mid 20s i was playing you know five six nights a week uh playing whatever the hell i wanted to and mostly my own music and if there were things i needed to work on i would write a tune that had its technique or a, a certain series of chords that were challenging to me or whatever the case may be and so i was able to learn on the fly in front of people you know what i mean
1: Oh, beautiful
2: how to do all this stuff so that was a big thing for me um but i think you know as far as that particular era um you know i, I could have put out a hell of a lot more music at a very young age uh, but i was really really intimidated by um you know being in a smaller town um there wasn't i mean there were there were recording studios but you know, the I mean, like when you're out in LA, if this is one thing I realized I was there years ago, you go out there and you go into a studio, and you're like, man, every one of these motherfuckers knows what they're doing. I mean, they put a mic in front of your amp and it sounds great. You know what I mean? It's like, but here, in my at least in my mind and the people that I encountered, it was like the black arts. <laughs> no, 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 you gotta go to this guy because he knows then he would be like this, you know, I'm like you're not going to use that, are you? You know what I mean? And it was, it was all of these mind games of, of that. There was, it wasn't just as simple as going into a studio that sounded good with an engineer that encouraged you to play great and to do your thing. It was, there was all this, you know, all this extra baggage. So as a result, we, you know, I was hindered from really being as creative as I could have been by kind of the, the, and again, this is, this is my perspective and my, um, experience. You know what I mean? It could have been something different for somebody else in the same town doing the same thing, but that's just what happened to me. So, um, I think another pivotal thing was, is that when I was around 28, I stopped, I stopped everything partying wise. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I got to the point where it was like, well, I'm either going to lose everything I have, or I'm going to get my shit together. So, I got sober ski, and when I did that, it was one of those things where I was like looking around in these places I was playing, I was like, what the fuck am I playing in this joint for? And I realized the only reason why I was playing in all these different joints is because I was the life of the party. You know what I mean? You go in, and you, you knew what you were going to drink at this place, and who you were going to party with, and who was holding the extracurriculars, and all that kind of shit. So once that stuff went by, then I, I I took a whole different perspective on the career uh, and what was important and how I wanted to spend my time. And and uh, and things accelerated quickly from there in terms of, um, you know, going from a, a person that played regionally to, to getting flown all over the place and going all over the world and doing all that kind of shit. So that was a big one for me. But, you know, and just the other thing just career-wise is just, you know no one cares more about your career than yourself and no one cares more about your music than yourself this whole idea of that i'm going to play something and someone's going to get it and then the doors are going to (laughs) open and then all this magical shit's going to transpire you know what i mean it it, it just no matter how many times you learn that that no 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 this is this is selling widgets do what you love to do and 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 Cater it to the people that are going to come to see you do your thing. And if you can get more people by doing, you know, organic things, so be it. But, you know, unless, you know, I was talking to some curmudgeonly musician buddies of mine that are all, you know, got a good 15 years on me or so that have been playing their whole lives. And one guy said, he's like, you know what? People listen with their eyes. And I go, I don't think so. People listen with their groins. It's (laughs) (laughs) it's like occasionally things get through you know oh these cats for the love of christ anyway um they're a pain in the ass uh anyway so you know occasionally things get through that are extraordinarily popular with the masses that are exceptional but that's that's really kind of a coincidence (laughs) usually it's you know it's just got to be good enough. And then it's all the wrappings and trappings of pageantry and so on and so forth. And when I'm not bitter about it. It just is what it is. And as I always just say, you, you don't need a million people to be into your shit. You just need enough. And, and you know, so you can do the music you want to do and live the life you want to live uh, without thinking, Oh, you know, Oh, if I just met, you know, this guy and boy, if I could open up for so-and-so and why doesn't this record company return my phone call? It's like, <laughs> fuck them. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's so true, man. That's so true. I, I imagine after doing all the Hell Leonard stuff over the years and everything and just seeing the environment change with guitar players. I mean, you must've noticed the level of guitar players is, crazy right now but there's this lack of live gigs and performing like you guys grew up with playing all these gigs all the time a lot of players now have become for the better part bedroom players because the live shows aren't there
2: right yeah it's it's weird no doubt I mean um well just the whole experience playing live is is uh well you know, obviously it's, it's changed. I mean, you know, crowds have changed, you know, they, there's just, there's, you know, you know, you're, you're playing for a crowd of people, no matter where it is. And everyone's on their freaking phone, you know what I mean? And they're, they're preoccupied. But one thing that does not change is when they hear visceral shit, the the magic shit never ends. You know what I mean? It's like, if people are open, just to, if the doors is open just that much for them to be susceptible to the magic that happens when great musicians connect You know, in a congregational fashion in a room, that's always going to be something that is going to happen, you know, and that and enough people hopefully will be aware of it. But to your point, there's not enough places to to do it, especially now with all this crazy shit going on. Um, You know, we just canceled a tour that we were going to do in Europe because God only knows what would transpire once we got over there. Could it have been fine? Maybe. But, you know, what if we go over there and one of you know, we're all vaxxed, but none of the people in the band have had the Cove that we know of. So what if we go over there and get it? And then all of a sudden we're, oh, you got to stay in this hotel room for 12 days <laughs> on, on, on your own dime, yeah. you know, before you can, you know, you're already on a, on a razor's edge of, of whether you're going to make dough and how much while you're there, you know, when you're touring now to put any kind of additional uh, risk factors involved. But, um, but yeah, you've got all of these folks that, uh, you know, you see uh, people on Instagram that are playing up a storm and, and uh, uh, you know, you certainly got a lot of um, uh, young talent lurking, but you know, it's the idea of uh, getting out there and having venues for, for people to digest it. But, you know, by the same token, the internet is a, is a place where you know, there's enough different ways to make the dough. It's just different. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just different. Yeah, it's, it's just a different experience. But, you know, I, I, for one, like people were talking about, boy, I can't wait till, can't wait to get on the road again. And I can't wait to play here, there in the next place. Like I just like playing. And if I, you know, I, if I'm playing in the house and the camera's on or people are watching that way, or if it's not on, and I'm just playing. I'm happy. You know what I'm saying. So, the idea of playing in front of people, yes, it's fantastic. When you're in front of a, a crowd, it's fantastic. But it's all that other bullshit you have to endure in order to get there. You know, yeah. as just the other day, just getting in the airport, I was just like, oh, for you know, I'm you know, most years prior to COVID, I'm gone 125 to 150 days out of the year, and uh, and all of a sudden. I was gone no days out of the year, except for, you know, I did this thing down in um, maybe let, let's say, you know, ten days. I was gone all last year, maybe not even. And the the, and the the marriage survived. Yeah, she still thinks I'm funny, which is <laughs> well, I do bring my A game. You know what I mean? I have to say, I'm coming up with new shit. You know what I mean? I'm trying to trying to mix it up. I'm coming up with cool little ditties every day. I got some dance moves. You know, I try to mix it up here at the Cock residence. And, uh, you know, luckily she's susceptible to my charms. But, uh, well, you know, that was a concern. I mean, I think that's a concern for a lot of people. You know, when you're used to traveling all the time and all of a sudden now you're under the same roof and you can't go anywhere. I mean, how does everybody get along? But, you know, it was it was actually really, really great. But then that makes you rethink things of like, you know. Well shit, you know, why? And then you know, we had a little hell scare with my with my wife. It turned out to be fine, but for it got it was scary leading up to whether we were finding out whether it was gonna be fine or not. And then you start thinking about, well, fuck, you know, all these years I'm gone and I'm going to all these cool places and she's not there because she's fighting the battle of Wawatosa back home with the children of the corn. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm thinking, <clears throat> you know, when am I gonna take her to Italy with me? You know what I mean? When am I oh, I'll bring her back here and all of a sudden maybe she'll never be able to go to any of those places because of this bullshit. And then you're like, Oh, you know, why, uh, you know, you're always putting things off and you're like, well, I'm on, I'm traveling and doing all of this extra stuff for some reason to be harvested on down the line. And you're just like, you know what? Now I realize I can do just fine and just pick and choose what I want to do and not have to do Every damn thing. So when you, you know, when you tap the brakes a little bit, it really gives you an opportunity to figure out what's important and what you want to do versus what you think you have to do to keep up, you know, the appearances of being a musician of the world and people knowing who you are. And, oh, look at this picture I'm in front of, I'm in Italy. Look at me, dig me. I'm a European traveling musician and you all are at home jerking your gherkins. Fuck you. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about. It's just one of those things where you, you, I love, I love being able to do all that stuff. I'm very grateful for all the opportunities I've had, but that being said, uh, going forward, I will be very, uh, selective about the things that I want to do versus the things I, you know, that I used to think I had to do. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I think um I, we talked to Tommy Emmanuel and Tommy said the same thing that the great thing about COVID it made him stop because right I mean how many years of all you guys just been going every year just disappearing COVID made you stop and uh, reevaluate We a for all of us so, absolutely yeah man that's that's amazing I think that's that's great and as you get older it's all about quality right you just
2: well, I ain't getting any younger. That's a damn fact. <laughs> so you've,
1: I imagine you've played with so many great players over the years, mate. Is there some players that you haven't managed to score yet where you're like, oh, I mean, I'd love to be playing with or I'd love to step on stage with or. Is there, well, um,
2: well, Bruce and I are going to do some playing dog. <laughs> <and grok>.
1: That <laughs> would be a lot of fun. I can see that. That would be, uh, that would be the Wild West right there, I feel.
2: Oh it would be fantastic. you know there's uh, oh there's a lot of different lot of different folks. Um, you know this past summer I did a thing with with Robin Ford and we've always been talking about doing something and uh, we're actually gonna try to do something uh, when he comes back from France so right because uh, that's just a that's just a lot of fun. That's one of those things too where I really don't care if we play in front of people or not. <laughs> it'd be great. You know what I mean, but it's just—it's just such a f- fun, you know, almost metaphysical kind of experience when we get to play together. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there's just there's just so many. You know what I mean? It's like uh, my buddy Jimmy Herring and I have talked about doing stuff over the years, and it just hasn't come to fruition yet. Yeah. Um, you know, Josh Smith and I have I have a really good rapport on stage, and uh, we were going to do some stuff in England, but I canceled that tour uh, because of this craziness, but, um, yeah, you know, it. I, I, my band right now with this organ player, uh, Toby Marshall that my son found, this is my favorite band I've ever had. And it's like the perfect fit for what I do. Um, so because it's, it's, you know, it's got enough jazz, you know, there, you know, Toby is, is, is fluent in being able to speak that language. But he's a, he's a blues playing motherfucker and he's got the church thing going on and he knows how to rock and his left-hand bass playing. I mean, if he was a bass player, he'd be one of my favorite bass players, but yet, you know, he does the whole thing and, uh, and then he locks in with my kid and my kid is, you know, he's out of his mind. He's great. So, um, uh, it's like, you know, <laughs> I, I used to think of who would be my favorite drummer. Well, he'd have a little bit of Steve Gadd, he'd have a little Ginger Baker, he'd have a little Mitch Mitchell, you know, he'd have a little Bernard Purdy, he'd have a <laughs> and and those are all the guys that he just naturally gravitated to. So, you know, and he's got the bottom thing as well. And he just uh so it's just it's a blast. And plus he's my kid, so it's it's fantastic to be able to to play that's, in that environment.
1: That's gotta be so. Sa- yeah. Why really? Why would you want to go anywhere when it's all right there and I mean, to play with your kid has got to be amazing.
2: It's fantastic. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, touring with them is interesting. (laughs) You know, there's, I I always say facetiously, there's, when I'm on the road with my son, there's things that as a parent, I'm horrified, but as a band member, I'm impressed. (laughs) (laughs) There's got
1: to be a code of silence there that doesn't come home to mum.
2: Oh, that's correct. (laughs) That is correct. I remember one particular time we were in Lithuania and, I don't know what it was, but it's something in the water. But you know, he's got the long hair. You know, he's a good-looking kid, and you know, it's like these like Russian model type gals are hanging around him, and so on and so forth. You know, and and my uh, my wife would call and be like, "Now is Dylan having a good time?" (laughs) Yeah, honey, he's everything's fine.
1: Everything's fine. Everything's fine. I've been there. There's a lot <laughs> women that way. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> so, so what's happening in this, the rest of the year? Are you doing much live stuff for the rest of the year? Or are you winding down or what's what's going on?
2: Well, well it's kind of funny because we had a very, very busy September. And, and it was, for whatever reason, extraordinarily profitable. So it was, it was great. We did a, a mixture of these festivals that were great. And then we had some uh, some private parties that were ridiculous, and so that was all great. And then October, I had this one trip to um, for True Fire, and then we had that you know three week tour in November that we canceled. Now we've got literally got nothing until New Year's Eve, and um, but that's okay. You know, it's it's not. I mean, Toby comes down. Toby, the organ player, lives in Minneapolis, which is about five hours away. So he comes down and we do live streams from the house here and we've got it down where it sounds good. I, I, there's a guy that zaps into my computer uh, through team and he runs sound and switches cameras for us and oh, wow. it's it sounds good and it looks good and people are pretty generous. So it's, it's, it's good gig money. You know, people are very, you know, they're, they're generous with what they do. And, and then I try to tie it in with a recording session while he's here. So uh, we've got another record that'll be coming out before, uh, before christmas and uh, so i'm going to get that out uh i also have my old band uh, my original lineup of my um my, this trio i had back in the day we reunited for some shows about five years ago and the same guy that does my recording now unearthed this live performance that we did that sounds really good so i'm probably going to put that out as well before christmas so get those out i've got another book of transcriptions of my stuff coming out with um, uh, Hal Leonard. That should be out probably around the holidays. And um, other than that, just keeping on, keeping on. I'll probably do another uh, acoustic record at some point here in the not too distant future. So, you know, there's, it just keeps on keeping on. You know, the one thing I find is so bizarre about the not traveling, and I've mentioned this, and I, and I know as musicians, you can probably understand what I'm talking about. It's like when you're on the road, you're putting everything on your credit card. And even though you get the money to reimburse it, you don't always pay it off. You're using that money for other shit. So all of a sudden, next thing you know, you got thousands of dollars on your credit card. And like, oh, I got to pay that fucker down. And, you know, you're shooting money at it. And then the next trip comes and, you know, all of a sudden you're not on the road but I'm doing all these live streams from home, you know, all the companies I've been working with, they're, you know, paying me to do it from home and all kind of stuff, credit card balance, zero, you know, <laughs> everything's paid off, you know, and, and you just start thinking, it's like, Oh, I have, why do I want to get back on the, <laughs> right? on the gristle train again? Not that it isn't fun. It is fun to go out and play. And I, as, as we were talking about earlier, I'm just going to be a little, a little more picky and choosy about it, but. it's um,
1: a good way to be. I think so. Yeah, that's a good way to be. Um, so people can catch you live. And I don't want to forget this. You have your own podcast.
2: I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called uh, Chewing the Gristle.
1: Well, you know and what? We've probably just added three listeners to your excellence. Excellent. Yes.
2: Hey, as I said before, you don't need a million. You just need enough.
0: Well, you know, I mean, a million seller could go two ways. One is a million people give you a dollar. The other is one person gives you a million. Ah, There there you go. Both are a
2: million seller. Words of wisdom, Bruce. Words of wisdom. Yeah, so the the, the podcast actually started during the COVID as well. The COVID. uh, Because... um, uh you know the the other the, you know the fishman folks and the wildwood people are like well what's some some other stuff we could do As i suppose we could do like a interview series or something like well, let's do a podcast I'm like, okay so we just started uh you know doing little conversations and uh like this and you know at first we were doing video stuff as well and posting them to um wildwood's youtube channel but they kind of lost steam for that let's just do the audio and i'm like fine then i don't have to worry about you know, putting on my uh, lycra jumpsuit every day when I, I notice do
0: you're wearing your second best T-shirt, right?
2: Now. A- exactly, <laughs> exactly correct. So uh, it just makes it a lot easier to just use the audio. So
1: yeah, we do we do the same. Any any more work than I have to do, I don't want to do.
2: Right, And I'm with you 150. percent
1: And as much as I'm recording video right now, this this will be only for my personal use only.
2: Yeah, no I was like to say
0: No one wants to see the big cock. Well, hey, wh-
2: well, unless they're into that kind of thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You
0: know, but that would put us in a whole
2: new category, right? Well, then maybe the the numbers would really start to skyrocket. Yeah, but, but you, know, you know
0: that's the problem. Is the you know I pl- I play jazz because I hate crowds.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lord have mercy. But I
1: miss you, man. Well, as I I
2: always say to people, well, we we capture video, but it's it's only for the hang. the rest is all just the audio but it's been fun you know it's been interesting getting everybody's you know perspective on different things and you know finding out some
1: of your guests you've had greg you've had
2: uh well uh, i talked to vernon reed today of living color uh we've had yeah he's great great guy too and uh, let's see who else. I had Elliot Easton on last week, John 5. Uh, we've had Luca Theron, Steve I, um, Satriani. Oh,
1: so you've got people actually working for you to get these guests.
2: Well, these are just guys that I know. So the <laughs> so luckily I could just kind of reach out to them and say, hey, you want to be on my thing? And like, oh, okay. And then we just shoot the shit. I mean, they uh, – um, uh Fishman has helped me out with a few. Except I've got this buddy of mine that I went to college with, who's a guitar enthusiast, guitar collector, and he kind of hold me one, you know, the day say, "Hey, do you know, uh, do you know Kenny Vaughn from uh, the Fabulous Superlatives?" I was like, "Yeah, I've met him like once." He's like, "He'd love to be on your thing." I talked to him already. I'm like, "Great!" So through my buddy Carl, I did Deke, uh, Deke Dickerson, uh, Kenny Vaughn, and uh, Arlen Roth. Of course, I and I, but I met Arlen actually through my buddy Carl. Uh, cause he just likes to hang out with these guys, you know, virtually anyway. Um, uh, then I had, you know, Josh and Kirk Fletcher, Fletcher and, uh, you know, Matt Schofield and Ariel Posen and, uh, Mark Letiri, you know, some of these younger fellas, Eric Gales, Joe Bonamassa, um, yeah, these types Mate,
1: of. That's fantastic. Oh, um, some amazing play. Alan Roth. What a legend.
2: Yes absolutely he had great stories he had great stories
1: i imagine i'm gonna go listen to that episode man i'm such a fan of his his latest his cd that he did with all the telly players yes yeah a lot of fun
2: absolutely yeah absolutely so we're we did the first two seasons and then uh i took a couple weeks off and then like we should probably start doing them again and then i just reached out to a couple of folks and they just started lining up. So away we go. We have Bruce on next week.
0: Love it. Love it. I'll make up some real good stories.
2: I can't wait. <laughs> the stories of depravity.
0: Oh man. The shit I've seen.
1: Buttery <laughs> <laughs> of a jazz player. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Greg, yeah. Man, I can't, I can't thank you enough for, for jumping in our little show here. And, um,
2: my pleasure. Thanks for asking.
1: It's such a pleasure. I love what you do, man. And the joy that you bring to us all as guitar players. Do not stop what you're doing. And um, I'm going to definitely try and get my hands on one of your reverends and check it out because they look like a lot of fun. Now,
2: definitely. now, who do you play with? Do you do you, do you play out?
1: Uh, I, was, your own? I used to play. Uh, I was on the road with God. Would you remember Wilson Phillips? Yes. Yes. I was out with them for a while and then on a, with a band, uh, Called Tattoo many years ago of Interscope Records, aha. Touring the world, they're all a, a lesbian pop group. Excellent. <laughs> yes, I, I go for the females apparently, and, uh, and nothing wrong with Nashville it. Nashville, doing my own stuff, and uh, yeah, keeping busy. Excellent. And uh, talking to wonderful players like yourselves. So uh, yeah, enjoying it.
2: Awesome. Well, I hopefully we'll get down to Nashville to do this thing with Robin in January. So oh. um, you'll have to come out. and
1: Oh, for sure, man. I'd, I'd love to go. Love to cause go. trouble. Yeah. well,
2: but, but of course, we'll probably have to be wearing deep sea outfits at that point in time because the next variant that'll turn everyone into <laughs> giant penis head individuals at that particular juncture in time. Which could um, be fun. Could be fun. It's going to be COVID pink steel. It's going to be called at that particular point in time. <laughs>
0: hey, but you know, I, it, it could be, it could be, it could go the other way. I'm just warning you.
2: Yes. Well, yeah. this is true.
0: Well, in this case, true. you know, we'd be, you know, bearded clams or something.
2: Exactly. Well, <laughs> you got to take what you can get. I reckon. But
0: frankly, I'm okay. Either way. It right. doesn't matter to me. I'm really one of those guy, open-minded people.
2: Well, you know, as people say, it is what it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Um, uh, you know Um, greg everyone just said everyone to your website is it just gregcock.com it
2: is indeed if they go to gregcock.com they can there's links to you know of course all my records are available on there Or it's links to my you know everything's on spotify now and certainly they go to my website they can go to true fire from there and and actually you get a bigger royalty if people like go from my website to true fire, as opposed to just going to true fire. So wow. that's all, that's always encouraged.
1: Yes. Okay. Yes. There's going to be lots of hours sitting around the idiot box, watching you do your thing.
2: Well, oh. I, I, I hopefully put some entertaining stuff in there and useful things.
1: I'm sure you did. So, so
2: please, so please let me know what you think. <laughs>
1: Mike, and I so thank you for pleasure. doing everything you
0: do, man. I, I just, I love it, man. I love, well, your plan, thank you. I love your personality. I love your vibe, everything you got going, man. Just you're inspiring. Just keep it going. Man.
2: Oh, likewise, my friend. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure.
1: Greg, Mike, thank you again. We'll see you soon. Okay. We'll soon is right. not
2: enough. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye.